0: Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders.
1: It's attorney Sean Bigley with Lindy Kaiser from clearancejobs.com. Lindy, we're talking about marriage tourism for this segment, which is an interesting topic and one that comes up with surprising frequency on the discussion boards and the blogs at clearancejobs.com. I guess I should start out by asking you, do you know anybody, have you encountered anybody who's had this in their personal life?
0: <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask that, and I don't know if I'm allowed to answer. <laughs> I so I come from a government background, a brief and illustrious, infamous career in government, perhaps. I actually know a couple people that I I'm I suspected very highly of having mail order brides. I'm not joking, Sean. So you might know this from a legal perspective. <laughs> I have friends perhaps or people that I would that I used to work with and there was just something that did not match with their spouse. And I'm telling you, and it's I think maybe because I had a military background, certainly people um deployment environments, but also some folks on the civilian side who married foreign nationals and it it did not it did not <laughs> It did not seem like an equal match, as I would say. So yes, I actually think this is real. And I was always shocked that it wasn't more of a security issue. Because on the other side of it, I actually know friends who have legitimately fallen in love with people who are foreign nationals or who lived abroad and have had huge issues with being able to maintain or keep their clearance eligibility for that reason. So I feel like so for me there's a bit of a disconnect so yeah what is your legal angle on this because i feel like there's a lot of ambiguity here
1: obviously we should point out part of this discussion that obviously there are plenty of people who marry foreign nationals and they're perfectly legitimate marriages so of course we're not suggesting that you know anybody anytime that somebody marries a foreign national that there's something nefarious or wrong with that but there are also a number of folks out there who engage in marriage for i guess i would say ulterior motives whether that be visa fraud or, you know, some other financial reason, or simply because it's something that they've gotten themselves tangled up with. And it's something, you know, pertaining to, for example, sex trafficking. You know, we've seen the whole gamut here in terms of these types of issues and the common denominator with the ones that raise the government's suspicions in my experience is that there really seems to be, uh, as you said, a kind of a disconnect between the spouses and. You know, I think joking aside, of course, there are cases where, you know, maybe opposites attract or people, you know, who you wouldn't normally picture being together, wind up together again for perfectly legitimate reasons. But there are other cases, for example, you have somebody who's three, four decades older than their spouse, and that's going to raise some questions. So I think what I would say in my experience is that we often see these cases come up where somebody has met and then subsequently married their spouse in a very, very short period of time. In other words, they married a foreign national and during the course of the background investigation for their security clearance, the government starts asking questions about how they met. And it comes out that they met their spouse in January of whatever year. And by March, (laughs) they were already walking to the altar. And that's, you know, it's not completely uh, unheard of, but it's also a little bit suspect.
0: So you're saying if you have a federal security clearance, you should not apply to be on 90 day fiance. Not that I would watch that type of programming, but that's a good point. Like timing does matter in terms of, so if you're rushing to the altar and specifically to the altar, I think that might be maybe a a slower courtship would be more recommended if you're marrying someone from abroad. I don't know what the, what the, I actually don't know what the best advice is there.
1: There's no real hard and fast rules here per se, but there are a few things that I always recommend folks look out for. So first of all, don't think that whatever it is that you're doing isn't something that a whole bunch of people have tried before. It's very rare. We see something that we've never seen previously. And I would imagine it's the same for our counterparts on the government side. So if you think you're going to kind of pull a fast one, odds are that's not going to be the case. There are some countries in particular that really stand out in terms of this issue. And historically, those have been Russia and Ukraine, the Philippines and certain parts of Asia, specifically Thailand and uh, sometimes Vietnam. We've seen a number of cases over the years where folks have, you know, married somebody from those places and they've gotten themselves in trouble with security officials, not because they said, oh, you know, this marriage is fraudulent per se, but because of the the foreign influence risks that it's raised um, with, you know, spouses. Uh, parents or uh, other relatives that they've left behind or financial ties that have not been severed, things like that. Now, there are also fraudulent marriages too. I mean, we've seen cases over the years where it's just clear visa fraud or, or something else. Those are very difficult to defend. We've also seen cases where folks have married somebody without legal status in the United States. Those can also be challenging to defend. But on the the quote-unquote marriage tourism front. There are a lot of websites online that are, you know, pretty clear in what they're advertising. Go abroad, find a bride. You know, the women aren't exactly picky, from what we can gather. You know, besides being careful about uh, destination countries, the other thing that we often recommend to folks is really think long and hard about whether this is something that is worth the risk, because. At the end of the day, there are legitimate operators out there that are doing these sorts of tours, I'm sure, but at the same time, there are a lot that are engaged in trafficking uh, of women and other less than legal practices by US standards. And so it's it, it taints, those, those situations taint a lot of the other maybe more legitimate situations. And so you really have to be careful if this is something you're thinking about doing of understanding, you know, what the perception is going to be and thinking about, you know, is this really, you know, worth the risk and if it is, what can I do to bring that risk down? And one of the biggest things is have a candid conversation with your agency or your security official before you ever go do anything like this and see if you can get some buy in and some sort of parameters about what they'll be comfortable with. It's not necessarily a total cure, but it is a somewhat preventative measure and it can help if you know there's clear evidence that you were seeking guidance beforehand.
0: I have a vested interest in growing the clear talent pool. I mean, it's a major issue for us. We simply don't have enough people with clearances to fill the open positions. When it gets to a topic about this, I, I tend to have sort of a visceral reaction and say, if marriage tourism is something that you're interested in, probably a national security career should not be. I think do you are held to a higher standard of reliability and trustworthiness. I get my feathers ruffled a little bit because I do think there's a huge human trafficking aspect of it. Again, with a lot of the countries that are involved, and so if what these websites that are really trading in kind of on the vulnerable I think even the online dating aspect of it's it's reaching a you know a vulnerable foreign population that's probably not the population you as a clearance holder so there's two sides of it for me like the the vulnerability the human trafficking and then also just knowing like honeypot sextortion those are real problems still today that's not like you know tied up in 20 years ago fables from the Americans there's certainly still countries that are using those tactics today
1: Oh, absolutely. And from a philosophical standpoint, I certainly agree with you on you know the issues of human trafficking and things like that. I mean, I can tell you, we have seen cases over the years where at least from outward perception, and I realize this may not be everything, but it's looked like a, a fairly legitimate relationship. And so, you know, I hesitate to paint everybody with the same brush who goes overseas and, and meets somebody. I mean, I think there are legitimate cases out there of people who just, for whatever reason, haven't had luck meeting a spouse in the United States. And this is an opportunity that that they take. That being said, I mean, I, I agree that probably the majority of these situations are not good and not on the up and up. And so again, if, if you are pursuing this or you're thinking about pursuing this, and you're trying to do it above board you're trying to seek out a meaningful relationship with somebody um, abroad for whatever reason, uh, and people, you know, have different reasons, um, you know, just be aware of appearances and be careful that, you know, you're not getting yourself into something that somebody might look at and say, you know, this is clear human trafficking, or this is a situation where there's power dynamics at play that raise questions about whether the the other party is uh, doing this of their own free will. That's obviously a big issue, but you know, one other thing I want to mention here also, there have been some issues recently, and, and we've seen this come up in a couple of cases over the last couple of years with folks, clearance holders, who have gone on dating websites seeking US based romantic partners and then wound up finding somebody that they were interested in messaging them and starting up a conversation only to subsequently realize that they were in fact not talking with someone in the US, but somebody in Ukraine or elsewhere overseas. So those types of situations happen as well. Obviously, that's a lot different than going overseas specifically in search of a bride just to kind of cover all of our bases here.
0: Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, I think just knowing that your significant others matter. And we've seen that come up. Like there's a reason, you know, ask that question, why do I have to list, you know, spouse or cohabitant information on a, a security clearance? And depending on the level you're going for, like, yeah, that person may not be an issue if you're at a confidential or a secret level. But certainly if you're planning on doing work at the top secret clearance level, it starts to become an issue who your significant others are. And if they are a significant person in your life, that is a security risk. And we've seen that borne out. Like people have compromised classified information due to, these types of relationships.
1: Absolutely. And it's it's not just the spouse, but it's the spouse's relatives too. And so, you know, that's probably the biggest issue for a lot of our clients who wind up marrying a foreign national is perhaps the foreign national isn't really the risk, but you know, they have mom and dad who are still living in China, for example. And that's a big problem.
0: For me, it's just recognizing that these types of risks definitely still happen. There's a reason that the whole honeypot sextortion scam is alive and well on that kind of foreign nationals are looking at these sites so you kind of mentioned like being aware of online dating profiles and who you're connecting with because those people aren't always who they appear to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the bottom line here is I think for most people meeting somebody who they subsequently fall in love with and decide they want to spend the rest of their life with, if that's legitimate, then that's probably going to trump A job opportunity that may be lost because of something like this. But on the other hand, for many people with a clearance, that is their livelihood and that's their career. And so you have to weigh the pros and cons and you have to weigh the risks. And if this is something that you're considering pursuing, you just really have to use common sense and good judgment, like anything else in the security clearance world. It looks bad if it doesn't smell right, if it looks like, you know, either illegal conduct or anything potentially nefarious, it's just going to be a, a, a big headache. So you, you really want to think carefully before you go down that road.
0: This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Past. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit
1: news.clearancejobs.com.